grace and peace, love and mercy from God our Father, through Jesus Christ, our risen Savior and Lord. Amen. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Amen. Text for our meditation is the gospel reading that we heard just moments ago, John 16, 16 to 22, especially verse 20. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, a little while, a little while. Imagine if you would, a young family making a drive down the interstate on their family vacation. Before long, the inevitable question comes out of the back seat. How much longer? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And what does the wise parent say? Do they go into a map reading lesson? Do they talk about the different towns and speed limits and mileage? No. They simply say, a little while. We'll be there in a little while. We're the same way, aren't we? How often aren't we impatient? We want what we want and we want it now. We're in a hurry and we pull up to the stoplight and it's red and it stays red. And we think to ourselves, how long before this light changes? A little while. We're in the grocery store and we're waiting to check out. How long will the checker take? How many coupons will that person in front of me want to redeem? How much longer? A little while. Generally at this time of the year, people are saying, oh, I can't wait for school to get out. How much longer will it be? A little while. When can I finally take that, that summer vacation or that cruise that we've been planning for years? A little while. Things have changed pretty dramatically in the last six or seven weeks, haven't they? Instead of children longing for school to be out, now we hear the surprising question, when, when, when can we go back to school? When can we start up again? A little while. When can we go out for that, for that family meal for my birthday that you promised me at that restaurant? A little while. People around the country, people around the world, how long? before we can come back into God's house. The body of Christ together to hear the word of God, to receive Christ's body and blood. How long? A little while. My friends, God's word is teaching us a valuable lesson today. Sorrow 
is very real in this world. Sorrow is very real, especially in the life of a Christian. Sorrow lasts only a little while. But joy, true joy, lasts forever. The problem there, isn't there? When we're suffering, our suffering seems to be endless. It goes on and on and on. Our suffering seems like an eternity. We lose all sense of perspective. Our suffering drives us inward. How does that work out? In our pain, we turn inward, and generally that makes the pain and the suffering even worse. God's word today would have us not look inward in the midst of our sorrows, our temptations, our trials, and our suffering, but to look to him. To look to Christ and his cross in the midst of our suffering. Because in Jesus Christ, we have joy. Jesus Christ is the only source for true joy. We look to Jesus. But where is he? He's gone to the Father. He's hidden from our sight. We want evidence. We want to see with our eyes. We want to touch with our fingers. We want to set up a test for God to prove that he is real. Let's face it. We want to be God. We want to be God of our own little universe. We want to be God of our own situation. We want to pick and choose the joys in our lives. We want to pick and choose when the sorrows come, how quickly they disappear. Try as you might. God will never put you in charge. There is one God. The one true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And Jesus himself teaches us today, seven times in our text, a little while. A little while. I can't tell you how many times I have heard people say, you know, I tried that God thing. I tried that religion. I even prayed once and nothing happened. Either God isn't real or God doesn't care. Maybe you've felt the same way. Maybe in the midst of your trial and tribulation and suffering right now, you're wondering and thinking, why doesn't God take this pain and sorrow and suffering away? Why doesn't God fix it? If he's really God or if he really cares, and so what happens? False teachers pop up all over to tell us what our itching ears and our hurting hearts want to hear. Think back. 
Think back to all the name it and claim it kind of preachers that have come and mostly have gone. Norman Vincent Peale, if you pray in an exact formula way, you will always get what you want. Robert Schuller, name it and claim it in his crystal cathedral. Chuck Swindoll, let me give you five easy steps for what ails you. And now, the modern day peddler of this kind of nonsense, Joel Osteen. Yes, you can have your best life now. My friends, Jesus says, verse 20, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned to joy. Christians, bear the cross. Christians, Suffer, And I'm not talking about just the way in general that people suffer. Christians suffer because Christians are persecuted simply because they are Christians. They are misunderstood and misrepresented. You and me are misunderstood and misrepresented. We are falsely accused. Why? Because the world doesn't like what we teach. Even this, during this pandemic, to anyone who is truly objective, how many times haven't we seen Christian churches singled out above all others, persecuted, mocked, arrested? Why? Because the world sees us and what happens here in God's house as non-essential. Imagine that. Christians are persecuted because we teach God's word. Full strength, law and gospel. We teach the law of God. That marriage is between one man and one woman for life. The world hates that message. The world mocks that message. The world persecutes that message. Christians teach that life begins at conception and that all human life has sanctity. The world laughs. The world mocks. The world persecutes. Christians teach, as difficult it is during these pandemic days, that we are to obey our civil authorities. What does the world teach? Well, disobey any law that you don't see as right or just. Join the resistance. But that's not all Christians teach. Christians are persecuted most often because we teach the gospel. Yes, 
The gospel is an offense. The gospel makes people cringe. Why? Because sin is real. And the only solution for sin is God sending his son as a sacrifice once and for all to bleed and die and rise again to take away the sin of the world. Jesus, God in the flesh, suffering and dying on Calvary's cross for the sin of the world. Jesus, physically, bodily, rising from the dead three days later, conquering sin, death, and the grave. This message is foolishness to the world. And yet it is salvation for those who believe. When Jesus spoke the words of our text, he spoke them on Monday, Thursday evening, a part of his upper room discourse. And during these Sundays in the Easter season, we have an opportunity to examine many, many of these words. Jesus is preparing his disciples and us for the suffering they are about to endure. For a little while you won't see me, and then you'll see me again. These words rang hollow for the disciples. This is Monday, Thursday night. Jesus will be taken, arrested, beaten, mocked, convicted, crucified, dead, buried in a tomb. They won't see him. What do the disciples do? They turn away in shame. They run and they hide. They skedaddle. They don't want a suffering servant, Savior. Jesus prepares them for what's ahead. After Jesus rises from the dead, for 40 days, he gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. Touch, see, listen. Then after 40 days, Jesus ascended into heaven. They saw him for a little while. And then, for a little while, they didn't see him. And Jesus promises, in a little while, you will see me again. My friends, in the same way that Jesus prepared his disciples for suffering, he is preparing you and me right here and right now. We've never seen Jesus with our eyes. We've seen him only with the eyes of faith. It should be enough, shouldn't it? We have God's word of promise. We have God's word that he will never leave us nor forsake us. We have God's word that he is with us always, even unto the end of the age. But there are times, most often in the midst of our suffering, when our faith becomes dull and clouded, weak, Confused, the sorrow of regret, guilt, shame, bitterness, disappointment, 
Doubt overwhelms us. It floods our souls. Where is Jesus? If Jesus were here, if Jesus were real, then I wouldn't be going through this grief and heartache. Why does my loved one get sick? Why is the economy faltering? Why can't I pay my bills? Why won't my kids behave? Why won't my spouse forgive me? My friends, today, in the midst of our sorrow, in the midst of our doubt, in the midst of our worry and bitterness, Jesus gives us this promise. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned to joy. Jesus isn't only talking to his disciples here. He's talking to all of his disciples here and now. He's talking to you and to me. Let's face it. We don't always have that joy, 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 joy down in my heart. We hurt. We suffer. We worry. We battle a sin. We think we've overcome it. And then we dive right back into that same sin, maybe even a hundredfold. We know what sinners we are, and it makes us afraid. Afraid to face God, afraid to face death. You think people aren't afraid of death? Look around. Look at how people are afraid to get close. Look at how people can't wait to get their mask on. We're afraid. We're afraid of death. Jesus gives us a promise. He says, your sorrow will be turned to joy. Jesus, who ascended to the Father in heaven, took away our sins. And he is at the right hand of God pleading for us. How does God make this bold promise? that our sorrow will be turned to joy? Our sorrow is just for a little while? My friends, look to the cross of Jesus Christ. Sorrow lasts only for a little while, but joy lasts forever. The cross of Jesus Christ is how he gained joy for us. My friends, there is no joy. There is no true joy apart from the cross of Jesus Christ because there is no true joy apart from the forgiveness of sins. There is no true joy apart from the certainty of life everlasting in and through the bloody death and glorious resurrection of Jesus Christ. True joy, true happiness is impossible apart from Jesus. Jesus ascends to the Father. He sits at the right hand of God. 
But he did not skip the cross. He did not forego suffering. In fact, as he hung on Calvary's cross, forsaken by his Father, he endured the pangs of hell for all people for all time. Jesus brings joy through his suffering, death, and resurrection. The disciples were sorrowful at the death of Jesus, and they were overwhelmed with joy at his resurrection. We too, when we see the cost, the cost of our sin, as Jesus hangs naked and bloody on Calvary's cross, we sorrow. We sorrow over our sin. And Jesus, who reigns victorious over the grave, comes not only to his disciples, but to you and me. He brings peace. He brings joy. He brings the forgiveness of sins full and free to all people for all time. Cling to me, he says, and your sins are forgiven. We don't have to clean up our act. We don't have to follow the first five steps before Jesus steps in at six or seven. Jesus comes to us in our weakness. He comes to us in our helplessness. He comes to us in our sorrow, grief, and pain. Not because we deserve it, but because God is great and loves poor, miserable sinners like you and me. He comes to us in our weakness with the only word that can bring true joy. My son, my daughter, your sins are forgiven. He gives this example in our text. An example that um, I only know secondhand. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. Joy swallows up our sorrow and our anguish. No one in the midst of labor pains is happy and joyful. No, the suffering is immense. The pain is real. But when that mother holds that new life in her hands, the last thing on her mind is the pain and suffering, full of joy that a new life has come into this world. My friends, in our suffering, Jesus seems hidden. In our suffering, God often seems far away. If God blesses and sanctifies our baptism by his baptism, 
Doesn't it stand to reason that he also blesses and sanctifies our crosses, our tribulations, our sufferings by his cross and by his tribulation? My friends, if it were up to us, we would pick and choose our earthly joys and they would last only a little while. Cling to Jesus. Cling to his cross. Cling to his forgiveness. Suffering is real, but God gives a promise. It will come to an end. Our suffering is only for a little while. But joy, true joy, eternal joy in the forgiveness of sins and eternal life with Jesus forever and ever is yours by grace through faith forever. Thanks be to God. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Amen. Now may the peace of God which far surpasses all understanding. Keep our hearts, our minds, our suffering in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Having heard the word of God, we are bold to confess our faith.